This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Season 2, Episode 9, otherwise known as Episode 96 of the Tip of the Iceberg. We are definitely getting real close to Episode 100, which will be coming out right after the Penguins and the Flyers take battle on January 13th. Our 100th episode will drop the morning of the 14th, so we will be having a good discussion on that game, especially because it's a 5.30 game. Makes it a little easier for us to record afterwards, but we'll have all of that and more for episode 100. For right now, it is episode 96, the final episode of 2020, with me, Nick Berlansky, and my co-host, as always, Nicholas J. Horwat. We're going to be ringing in the new year here on the tip of the iceberg. Horwat, how are you doing? Holiday week is always a slow week. And needless to say, I mean, the only consistent of 2020 has been this show. <laughs> I don't think we took a week off anywhere, more or less. Um, just went from two shows to one show a week and then back to two now. So this has been the greatest consistent of the year, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we ever took a week off. I don't think we did. I, I remember... There was one week that we each recorded separately but put it into an episode. I know oh, there was yeah. another week that I was at the beach. There was a week you were in Arizona. So we have made sure to get an episode in. No matter where we are on this earth, no matter what is going on on this earth, we have made sure that we get at least one episode, most of the time two episodes in a week. So I guess that that is a good constant and one of the few constants of 2020. It's a good point. We have brought you your content, people. We have not stopped. Hey, we're not good for much, but we're definitely good for some content. That is for sure. It has been, a, in general, just a crazy year altogether. I'm sure yeah. us, as well as everybody else in the world, is ready for 2021 to begin and hoping that 2021 is much better than the year of 2020. But here's what we're going to have on tap for this episode. The Penguins last week announced their training camp roster as their training camp is starting in a couple of days. Yes, we're finally going to have storylines. It's going to be a lot of fun. The season is finally right around the corner. As we're recording this, we're two weeks away from puck drop. So we're going to discuss the Penguins training camp roster. Then, of course, with it being New Year's Eve when this comes out, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions or specifically hockey New Year's resolutions, both ours. And we also have some for the players and coaches of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll get into that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the minor leagues. The Wheeling Nailers are still struggling. We'll get into that as well as the World Juniors. We're going to check in on the progress of the World Junior Championships as it stands right now. And then we'll finish it off with our shout-outs and call-out segment. But like I said, let's get it started with the Penguins and training camp. They announced their training camp roster, which included 23 forwards, 13 defensemen, and four goaltenders in total. They're going to have 40 players at training camp. But unfortunately, by the time training camp ends, they're going to have to be down to 29. So 11 of those names are going to be cut by the time the season starts. Of course, 23 guys on the active roster, roughly six on the taxi squad, and we have to have three goaltenders. So three of those four will definitely be with the team whenever they travel to Philadelphia. 
So, Horwat, when you looked at this and saw the training camp roster, there's a lot of things that were pretty obvious and you expected. Some things that were unexpected. What are things that jumped out to you about this roster? Uh, no Emil Army was the first one. Mostly because of how thin we are at goalie. I'm shocked he didn't even get an, inv in an invite here. But I think it makes sense. I think I had already said it before a couple times that I, this isn't his year. Next year, he's got to get acclimated North American ice still. Honestly, odds are he might not even come over this year. He might just stay on loan. I don't know how all that's working. Uh, but I know he's still in Finland, correct? Yeah, Finland for the time being at least. Uh, but other than that, not too much else shocked me. I mean, it's a training camp roster. You're going to see names you don't recognize, and you're going to see names that you kind of just know aren't going to make the NHL roster. It'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to see some of these names out there and what they can do. Jordan Nolan jumps out, and mostly just because that's a big, bulky, grinder guy. The new guys like Drew O'Connor, uh, the only forward I think that I can think of from like the college signings because then there's Josh Maniscalco, Cam Lee, all those guys are gonna get their gonna get their looks, and that's kind of what we expected from this training camp, mm -hmm. and that's what that those are the guys to keep an eye on because those guys are gonna crack an NHL roster relatively soon. It's not gonna be this season, uh, but keep an eye on them in the coming seasons for sure. What about you? What did you think of it all? Think of it all? Yeah, you mentioned the Emil Army thing, and I'm, I understand leaving them in the Finnish Elite League because that is top tier talent, and if you don't expect all of your goaltenders to be able to play whenever Wilkes-Barre if Wilkes-Barre is able to come back with the AHL set to begin on February 5th if you're not unsure about that entire thing why not keep Emil Larmy somewhere where he's going to get the chance to play almost every game mm -hmm. and then you have these other goaltenders like Maxime Lagasse and Alex Dorio who can fight for that third string goaltender position and not really get much playing time so that made sense to me uh, it was still a surprise when I saw it, and then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, that could make a lot more sense. Poulin and Legaray were kind of surprises to me. I looked up it up, and then, of course, the Q QMJHL season being on pause until mm -hmm. January 22nd. That is the th big thing that I, I guess I didn't remember going into this, so it's good for them to get another camp under their belt. I mean, Sam Poulin will now have two Pittsburgh Penguins training camps under his belt before he tries to crack the roster, which I would imagine would be either the end of this season or the beginning of next season. But those guys, I don't think, have a chance to make the big league squad. I think they're here just to get a little bit of experience, and then they're going to go back to the queue once January 22nd comes around to play there and to get more experience there. But at the same time, with camp beginning on Sunday, there's a couple position battles to watch. And that's the big thing that I wanted to look at. I mean, we talked last episode about Cody Cece and Chad Ruedel when we were talking about the Penn's defense. That, you said, is probably not going to be too much of a, a battle. I still think it's going to be a pretty good battle there. But then you also mentioned those guys, those college signings, Cam Lee, Josh Maniscalco, Drew O'Connor. They're getting their first looks. Is that going to be enough to get them onto the taxi squad, especially with the AHL possibly starting February 5th? Do they start with the NHL's taxi squad, or do they just go down and wait for the AHL Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins to start? That's going to be a big storyline. Of course, DeOrio versus Legasse, see who wins the third string goalie. I know that's not really a high stakes competition, but it's a competition nonetheless. I mean, we, we fully expect Casey DeSmith to win the backup role going into yeah. this because he is the only one other than Tristan Jari that really has any NHL experience. I mean, if you want to count Legasse's little tiny stint with the Vegas Golden Knights, I guess you could, but at the same time, Casey DeSmith two years ago was the backup out of camp. You can fully expect that to happen this year unless he completely falls off a cliff, which I don't see happening, but 
The other thing I want to watch out for once this rolls around is the entire bottom six. We don't yeah. know how Mike Sullivan is going to have this structured. We don't know who the third line center is. We, we know Teddy Bluger is going to be a center somewhere. We know Brandon Tanev is going to be down there, probably going to be alongside Teddy Bluger. But other than that, we're not sure how it's going to work out. Of course, Zach Aston Reese coming off of an injury still, will he be a full participant in practice? Will he practice with the team? Will he be in line rushes? Who knows? It all depends on whether or not he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season, which we highly doubt. But at the same time, a lot of storylines that are going to come up in Penguins training camp, a short shotgun Penguins training camp is we're two weeks away now from the first game and their camp starts at the beginning of next week. So they're going to have only about a one week training camp to cut 11 guys. So we'll have to see how they're going to structure this. It's going to be quite unique and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. And I'm kind of rolling through the, the names here and just taking out 11 guys that I just think won't make it. And if you're do doing that big of a roster, I mean, things are looking good for guys like Poulin and Lagare. I mean, I'm at nine right now, and I haven't brought their name up yet. And, of course, that's – I'm no professional. I'm just kind of picking names out that I just don't expect to make it. Like, immediately I look at Josh Keery, and I'm going, he's – I that's not a name I know. I'm not taking him. Or Sam Militech, who is a good – probably a good, decent player, but I just don't see it happening for him. Uh, so, like, I'm taking him out. And I haven't gotten to Lagarea Poulin yet, so there's a good chance for them to at least crack something for now. I mean, odds are they won't. Some people might shock you. Like, who knows? We might give Jordan Nolan an actual chance. With Stefan Nason's story last year, you can never really yeah. discount what these guys on AHL contracts can be made of. Now, of course, Stefan Nason was playing fantastic for Wilkes-Barre last year when he got called up. But he also came up because of so many injuries now Jordan Nolan they're heading into the season the only injury really for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now is Zach Aston Reese so the chances for Jordan Nolan to make the big roster are very slim but like yeah. I said there's a chance there there's always yeah. going to be a chance there and that's one thing that Rutherford said he said there's one AHL guy that we're bringing up and have real hopes for possibly bringing him into the NHL roster and that is Jordan Nolan so who knows? He might have a shot at the big league roster. You went down through, of course, like Redeem Zahorna and those names that you're like, yeah, oh, I can I didn't see even them. Notice that one. <laughs> yeah, I can see them not making the taxi squad or the big league squad for sure. But the question is, is Poulin going to get regular playing time? Is Legere going to get regular playing time? If not, do you really want them to sit on a taxi squad? Right. On a team that's not really going to get to practice very often either. You look at the regular season schedule and there's games almost every other day. So there's not going to be many practices built in, which means these guys aren't going to touch the ice all that often aside from individual practices. So wouldn't it be better to send a pool and a leg back to the QMJHL so they can get regular playing time so they can get regular game action, whether that be at a level that is lesser than their current talent or not. No, it absolutely would be. I mean, I was just running down, and I guess I really didn't – I also wasn't building a starting lineup out of this. I was kind of just taking the 11 names off. And, I mean, odds are Legare definitely doesn't make it. I think he's the least likely out of the two just because he's had a regression, and we now he's on pause, so we don't really know if he's rebuilding. But uh, Poulin getting an invite to the World Junior thing, that was good for him. That was good for his – um, I don't even know how to put it. That was good for his brand for now. 
I mean, odds are he's not going to make it and be sent back to the queue anyway because these are, like, Radim Zahorna, Zahorna, however you want to say it, is a guy that you can put onto your taxi squad and not play. He's a guy that's there. You know he's capable of doing something if need be, but you're not going to play him every day. And that goes for, like, a guy like Anthony Angelo or, um, or like Sam Millicent. He's a guy that you really, you know he's there and he doesn't really need to play, but he's capable if you need him, so... Who knows? I mean, I just listed 11 names down and forgot about Zahorna, so uh, my list is irrelevant. I was just kind of wrapping it off in my head, so um, we'll have to see, though. I mean, like I said, every year someone usually shocks you. John Marino last year. So who knows what this year can do, especially if there's only a week for it. Yeah, it's going to be harder for people to make those John Marino-type strides because you have to do so much in so little time to crack that roster now the big question to me is P.O. Joseph on the defensive side I said Cody CC versus Chad Ruedel for that third pairing right defenseman does P.O. Joseph have a stake here where he can climb up and make the opening day roster how many defensemen did you say there were on this list 11 defenseman 13 okay so 13 oh and you need six you just got to be in the... T- I mean, you need six to play. They usually carry two as scratches. So you, you just got to be in the top eight there. You got to be better than five people. Yes, that's math. <laughs> um, Which I think he probably is. He's probably better than at least the three or the two college signings for now. Odds are he's going to be better than Trotman and Churchman for now. And that just means he's got to be better than one more person, which is also very possible. So who knows? He might make this um, at least a taxi squad. Yeah, you don't want a guy like him just not playing. But knowing he's on an NHL roster in some capacity has got to be good. And knowing that he is there, especially a defense that might just be a revolving door this year. So he can rest guys and you know, have everyone, at least to the bottom pair, get some playing time in this could be a weird defensive system i'm not suggesting it but i'm always thinking of just rotation if you're going to be playing this many games in this short amount of time rotate that bottom line maybe who knows maybe create four defensive lines and then kind of swap that bottom two out every other game or something i don't know i'm thinking minor league hockey here (laughs) yeah and i think the big thing then if that's the way you're looking at it is P.O. Joseph, like you said, Maniscalco and Cam Lee, that's one thing or the other. They're young. They're getting their first camp. And then you also talk about Churchman and Trotman, who the Penguins have trusted and have played at the NHL level. Yeah, P.O. Joseph is their number one defensive prospect right now. So I could see them easily giving him the edge going into camp on those guys. But then you still have Yuso Rikula. You still have Chad Ruedel that he's going to need to beat out to get above those guys to get into the lineup. I'm not saying there isn't a chance. I'm just saying he's going to have to play extremely well in this training camp, in this one-week shotgun training camp, to impress the coaching staff more than a Yuso Rikula, who, as we've mentioned before, is a training camp hero the last two years, as well as Chad Ruedel, who has serious claim to that third-pairing right defenseman slot. And if they do what you're you're recommending there and in kind of switching out the defense to get everybody ample playing time and get everybody ample rest more specifically, yeah, I could see P.O. Joseph getting some games in 
prior to the AHL season starting because if he doesn't get himself a regular spot in the lineup by the time the AHL begins playing, I can see them easily wanting him to go down there, develop a little bit more, get regular playing time, especially because this is just one season. Yes, you don't want to mess somebody's development up by sending them down when they don't need to be down, but he also hasn't played a game in the NHL yet. So uh, this little quick short season, if he plays in the AHL, I don't think we'll mess him up development-wise for next season. No, not one bit. I mean, this is the kind of season that it's not a throwaway season, but it's it's a year you don't really look at your rookies and your prospects and say, this is your time now. You're going to give them this kind of year off because it's so it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be weird, and it's not going to be a normal season. Let's start there. So these, this is the kind of season for guys that you know are going to be here. Like, your veterans, they're, this is their season to prove that they still have it. And for you're not going to be doing too much experimenting with new guys this season, I feel. I think this is the kind of year where you look at it as, we're going to go with the guys that have NHL experience and leave it at that because everyone's getting screwed here in every league. I mean, the queue is currently on pause we know that so Poulin and Legray, right. yeah they're going to be playing in the queue but who knows what's going to happen there the AHL isn't starting until later they're going to be playing at some point but who knows I mean the AHL is a league that can just stop I mean it did last year they just finished their year and called it it's you don't want guys to kind of play that I don't know how to put it it's just very it's going to be very interesting to watch no matter where anyone plays it's going to be weird. You just don't want to be messing with NHL progression um, if that's going to be messed with. Yeah, and that also speaks to Jordan Nolan and why Jim Rutherford felt mm-hmm. the need to mention him by name. He's an NHL guy that has had NHL experience and they brought in for some depth. That might give him an opportunity to make the team instead of somebody like a Sam Militech or like a Drew O'Connor because he has that experience and he... They're not really worried about Jordan Nolan's development at this point. They're kind of brought him in there to be what he is, and he is an NHL replacement-level player. So that might be why he makes the taxi squad right out of camp. Yeah, I would assume it's a taxi squad situation for him. Have you ever seen his numbers? I've seen them before. Whenever they signed him, I looked them up. I know they're not mind-blowing, but he also does have a Stanley Cup, so that that does mean something. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't. He's got two, actually. Um, Oh, he played 20 playoff games that first run? All right. Um, Yeah, he won two with the Kings. But, I mean, through his his career so far, he's not a points guy. And I guess these are high numbers, high penalty numbers for this day and age because he's supposed to be more of a bump-and-grind type player. But, I mean, they're not like these... 100 penalty minute seasons so he really is just kind of a just a body I think that's kind of how we're going to treat him this year yeah and I feel like you can also throw Anthony Angelo into that same kind of area there where he's a body he has NHL experience and he's going to be on the taxi squad in case we need him yeah Jordan Nolan has reached over 100 hits three times and that's something, to say the least. I mean, 100, 102, and 123. That's a hell of a jump. Oh, he was in Buffalo with 123, so. Yeah, not, not much else to do there. Yeah. Um, 
That seemed to be his career year, though, in penalty minutes and hits, because he had 69 penalty minutes that year, which is nice, but who knows? It's going to be interesting to watch him. I think it's that one will be interesting. Yeah, he's just going to be a body. Yeah. Filler placement player, and you said the same with, who did you say? Anthony Angelo. Anthony Angelo, who, yeah, who I, I guess, I mean, yeah, he played last year in the NHL and got his time in, got a point or two. Didn't impress me all that much, though. I feel like we had other guys come up and show their worth a little more than he did. Yeah, he was definitely a replacement level, and that's what it seems like he's going to be for the bulk of his career. You don't want to ever say that that's his ceiling, but it seems like that's around what his potential is in the league. But with all of this said, there's going to be a lot to look for on January 3rd whenever the Penguins open up training camp. It's going to be quick. There's going to be a lot of storylines. I assume cuts are going to be made probably middle to end of the week. So it's going to happen very fast. If not right away, yeah. I don't I don't understand why they would do it right away because why would you bring them just to cut them in two days? But I could see it happen probably Thursday or Friday of next week. Yeah. And by next Sunday, we'll have probably our, our starting roster, our starting 23, and I'm sure we'll have the taxi squad. So a lot to keep track of. Stick with us on next week's episodes of the Tip of the Iceberg. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about the storylines that are going on in the Penguins training camp. It's going to be short. We're not going to have too many. I think we'll have two episodes, and the first one will be after one day. So that Thursday episode next week is going to have a lot of information about the training camp in it. So you can tune in for that, to that episode. But for right now, I think we should move on to our New Year's resolutions because it is New Year's Eve, as most of our listeners are listening to this right now. We're going to do our hockey New Year's resolutions Horrible. let's start with ours, and then we'll get into the ones we got for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What is your New Year's resolution circled around hockey? I, I didn't really come up with any because I – well, because first of all, I don't usually do too many resolutions, and I heard somewhere that this year is not the year to do it because, yeah, we everyone wants something new in 2021, but it's not going to happen yet. Everything's going to be the same for a little while still. Um, if I had to pick a hockey resolution, uh, probably the same as last year, just watch more and play more. I mean, I think we all want to play more hockey this year, don't we? Yeah, we'd all like to play hockey. My resolution's about watching it because I'm not sure when I'm going to get to play it again. Yep. But my New Year's resolution is kind of patience with the bottom six of the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's a lot of new players in that bottom six. It's going to take some time for them to mesh. I mean, I don't expect them to mesh right away. But my New Year's resolution is to be patient with them. And honestly, be patient with all the new players. That goes for Kasperi Kapanen in the top six. That goes for CeCe and Matheson on the back end. Just patience with this team. It's something that I'm going to be preaching to myself. That's my New Year's resolution. Don't lose patience. Don't come on here and blow up on the callouts every week. And just be patient with this team because I feel like this is a good team. This is a team that I could see, if they play well, having a chance to catch fire at the right point of the season and be a dangerous contender but as of right now i'm a little reserved i just got to keep my patience about me that's the one thing that i'm going to try to do in this new season and that's very possible i mean there's you're gonna have to be patient because it might be uh much different than you than you expect it to be it's not going to be what it was last year it's going to be different and um I feel like I feel like you'll be patient because you're gonna understand that it's a bunch of new people trying to get used to a system in a weird situation, and they're new. You you gotta let them mesh. You gotta let them mold. 
Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Probably by our, our 100th episode after the Flyers game, I'll already have lost my patience. So we'll, we'll see how that goes in the new year. But let's get into our Penguins resolutions. We have a Penguins team resolution, which is something that should encompass the entire team. My resolution for this team, how about you stay healthy? Because last Ooh. year was the opposite of that. You had so many players and big players going out with big injuries. Two guys had core muscle surgery, which is something that I had not heard of before last season. And then we had two guys go down with it. Just stay healthy as a team. Don't have to dick to dip into those reserves and just try to keep the same roster out there on the ice. I know it's easier said than done, especially with this hellish schedule that they're about to go through, but staying healthy is the Penguins team resolution to me. Uh, I, I can agree with that. That makes total sense. I think you can also use that resolution to go toward players specifically, um, which I will get to down the line. But my team resolution for now is going to be win a playoff round, man. It's been a while. Get over the hump. And, you know, I'm not asking for a deep run. That'd be nice. It'd be great. But I'm just saying, just get one in. I don't want to keep, I don't want to start sounding like the Leafs here where we can't get past the first round. I don't want to start sounding like that. That sounds depressing. <laughs> I'm sure all Leafs fans can sympathize with you on that. Because you know your team is good. You know your team is good enough. I mean, they're making the playoffs. Why not? Why couldn't you win the first seven-game series or five-game series in this situation? So just get past that first round. Get over the hump. I'm not saying go to the finals. I'm not saying win the cup. I'm saying get past the first round. Everything from there will develop. Yeah, that's a good resolution, especially you mentioned they haven't won a playoff series since the first round of the 2018 playoffs against the Philadelphia Flyers. So hopefully they pick off, pick up this season where they left off in 2018 the last time they had a lot of success against a team in the playoffs. But those are good team resolutions. Stay healthy and win a playoff series. I think that's that's all we could ask for at the very minimum, right? That, that's, that's a pretty easy thing to ask for. Let's move on to general manager Jim Rutherford. Hora, what is your New Year's resolution for Jim Rutherford? Uh, just to keep your head straight. Don't don't listen to what people are saying. Keep your head straight. Don't make dumb, rash decisions. Uh, this is going to be a season where, I'll say it, we shouldn't make trades this season, man. Play with what you got this year. It's gonna. It's too weird of a season to be, you know, making big deadline act like big deadline deals unless something comes along, and you know it's going to be more than just this season. Like, say you get a guy with two years left on his contract. Don't jump at the opportunity to get someone who's going to be here again for eight games because that's a waste of time. We saw how much of a waste of time it was last year with Marlowe and uh, bringing back Connor Sherry. It's a waste of time. Don't bother with it this year. Yeah, that's fair. And mine goes along those same rules and routes. I mean, I guess it's the general manager really trades is the big thing that he's going to do during the season, but... My New Year's resolution for Jim Rutherford, don't trade away another first-round pick. We already don't have our 2021 first-round pick. Yeah. That belongs to the Minnesota Wild. And, yes, I'm very happy to have Jason Zucker on the team, but it is at this point that you should not be trading. You're saying he shouldn't be making that many trades at all. I'm saying yeah. just don't trade a first-round pick. That's all I'm asking. Try to hold on to a first-round pick for the first time and you know, Lord knows how long, and just don't do it. Like, if you want to trade something else – I can see you trading third round pick, second round pick. Just don't trade your first rounder in 2022 or any year after that as of right now. No, definitely not. We can't afford that kind of loss right now. We're, we need to build for the future. And 
uh, a first-round pick is a great way to start with that. Hell, don't trade this year's second either. Do we even have it? What picks do we have anymore? Uh, I'm not sure if we have this year's second-round pick. I'm pretty sure we already traded that one away. I think we have a third-round pick and three sevens and something like that. But uh, definitely don't have a first. We have a second, a fifth, and three sevens. Uh, okay, so a second. <laughs> it's not much better than having a third and three sevens. But, uh... No. Oh, well. I digress. Just Jim Rutherford, don't trade away the 2022 first round pick not yet at least wait till you like get a regular full season to do that and please also don't trade away the first round pick to make sure seattle takes the right player because that is not going to go well either just let seattle take someone <laughs> exactly we, we've talked about that in our first mock draft just let seattle take who they're going to take mike sullivan i say his new year's resolution should be don't be afraid to switch the lineup around it's whatever helped him in the first couple years he was switching the lineup around freely not caring if he took a guy off the first line away from Sidney Crosby and putting somebody else up there to see if it works that's what handcuffed him in the playoffs last year he refused to make changes Sam Lafferty was great in training camp before the postseason last year yet he only played in one game during the playoffs you had Tristan Jari who was brought in at the last ditch effort and he only gave up one goal not to say Matt Murray played horribly but Maybe you should have thought about switching Tristan Jari earlier. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. But just, if you're Mike Sullivan, don't be afraid to switch the lineup around. If that fourth line of Bluger, Aston Reese, and Tanev are playing fantastic, but the rest of the lineup isn't, don't be afraid to break it up. Some things are along those lines. That's what I'm saying. Sullivan does his best when he's switching stuff around if the team is not succeeding. So I hope that he goes back to doing that this season. Yeah, I'm going to kind of agree with that. That's kind of what I had. I more or less had be loose. Like, don't be, you know, fast and furious with changing everything around, but be a little looser on your decision-making. Don't, like, yeah, play the hot hand always. We get that, and you and he did that. But when it comes to everything else, more or less, just be a little looser. Don't tighten everything up the way it needs to be. Don't staple gun guys together, I mean. Yeah, Crosby and Guns are going to play well together, but if something happens where you need to move one or two of them, do it. Be a little looser. Um, same with Rustin Malkin. I mean, yeah, you like seeing those guys play together, but um, something comes around and you got to make an adjustment, make an adjustment. Coach on the fly. That's kind of the move here. That's what we're doing. Stay the course. <laughs> yeah, so stay the course and then don't be afraid to make moves. That's that's basically our New Year's resolutions put together, right? Just a little screwdriver, just a little lefty-loosey. It's all you need, all right? <laughs> There you go, buddy. Well, let's get to the players on the ice because we have a couple of names down here, about eight or nine names that we're going to give New Year's resolutions for. And let's start at one of the most important positions on the team in goaltending. Let's start with Tristan Jari. What's your New Year's resolution for Tristan Jari? Just be consistent. That's all you can ask for in his first big boy season. Um, you don't need to be a you don't need to be a blowaway star. You don't need to you know you don't need to be an all star again. You don't need to be um, a Vesna contender. Just be consistent have some consistency it's a short season so it should be a little easier to do that um but yeah just be consistent again stay the course and don't fall off a cliff that's about it yeah for me it's just about him finishing in the top 10 and save percentage and goals allowed average and if that sounds a bit ridiculous for a goaltender in his first year as a starter well he did it last season so i don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it this season last year he finished eighth in save percentage and ninth in goals allowed average which is really good for a player really getting his first opportunity to start a bulk majority of the games, 
Hopefully he continues that this year. Maybe even getting into the top five in one or both of those categories. But my New Year's resolution for Tristan Jari, finishing the top 10 in both save percentage and goals allowed average. I don't think that's something that is going to be too difficult for him. If you look around the league, especially this year, I feel like he has a chance to do that. Not with ease, but I feel like it's not going to be too ridiculous of an ask for him to finish in the top 10. It's possible. It's definitely possible. That's that's where it can be. And, you know, and helping with that would be being consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned consistency. When you said it, I looked down at the next guy on this list, and that is exactly what my New Year's resolution is for Jared McCann. Mm-hmm. He needs to find consistency. No more 22-game scoring droughts because he showed last year early in the season that he could be a very, very lethal depth scorer. And that's what the Penguins need him to be. That's why the Penguins brought him back because he was a restricted free agent this offseason. The Penguins brought him back because of what they saw before the 22-game drought. Now they need him to take that and elongate it throughout the whole season. We don't need these long droughts where Jared McCann is basically a useless player because he's not. He's a good depth player. He could be a a good top six winger with a Sidney Crosby or an Evgeny Malkin if something else is to go awry. So that's what the Penguins need from him just to find his consistency and be able to put pucks in the net on a normal basis instead of having a really good start to the season and then completely vanishing by the end and into the playoffs. Oh yeah. I had the exact same thing down. Just consistency. I mean, I literally wrote same as Jari and I'm sure you had the same thing. So yeah, Um, exactly that. Just be consistent. We know you can do it. Let's move on to a young player for the Pittsburgh Penguins. A lot of high expectations for John Reno heading into his sophomore season. He finished last year with, I believe, seventh in Calder votes, which is not bad for a guy who wasn't even supposed to make the team last year. Horwath, what is your New Year's resolution for young John Marino? Uh, Don't be a flash in the pan. Prove that this is uh, the future you belong to be in. It's... You said seventh, it's eighth, but that's no big deal. I mean, when you're that far down in Calder voting, no one really cares. 26 points for a rookie defenseman is not bad. I mean, yeah, he got injured, but in 56 games, 26 points is solid. And um, it's exactly what you want to see. He's got He's had some power play time. We know he can be something. It's just a matter of him actually being something. So he just shouldn't be a flash in the pan, and that's um, what I had for him, just to prove himself, prove that you are who we think you can be just make sure you don't have a sophomore slump that's basically all you're asking (laughs) yeah that's about it yeah for me i know we don't really like to talk about plus minus but i'm going to institute the plus minus conversation here he finished a plus 17 last season i'd like for him as a new year's resolution finish the season plus 20 or higher just prove that that encompasses basically what John Marino is. He is a stout defensive defenseman who can change up and play decently on the forward side. You mentioned it earlier, 26 points as a rookie, which is not bad. He started to find his offensive rhythm more towards the end of last season, right before the pause. So try to get that season plus 20 or higher. It's going to be difficult with a new partner, whether that be Mike Matheson, whether that be Cody Cece at some point, or whether he goes back with Marcus Pedersen. He's going to be switching around partners, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But if he is exactly how good that we believe he is, I don't think that'll be an issue for John Marino. Now, speaking of that, Mike Matheson is next, but do you have anything else on John Marino and possibly reaching a plus 20 this year for the first time in his career? I like that. That's a good one. I mean, I don't have anything else to add, but plus 20 would be good. I mean, 
there's 56 games in this upcoming season, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That's how many. That's how many he played last year. So, um, let's. We, we he has his standard so far. His rookie season was six goals, 20 assists. We know what he can do in 56 games. He has to improve on that, basically. Yeah, basically, just improve. That's all we're asking. Continue to develop and get better every day. Let's very. I mean, yeah. that's cliche, but that's exactly what they're looking for in John Marino this season. I mean. Granted, I was mentioning offensive stats, which it shouldn't be the marker for a defenseman, and it's not. So looking at some other things, I mean, 77 blocks, 72 hits. All right, look at those. I mean, he has his baseline, basically. That's what we're getting at here. His stat line from last year is his baseline for this year. And it definitely helps that he did only play 56 games last year. Makes it a lot easier to look at Makes it a lot easier, yeah. So that'll be fun to keep an eye on. Plus, Malkin and Rust both played 55, so that's kind of their baseline, too, if you want to go with that it'll be fun to see but uh we can go to the next guy now yeah and that was mike matheson as i mentioned last time horwood i'll let you go first because mine is plain and simple and i'll just finish it off but i'll let you go first mine's fairly simple too i mean uh we i got a little sad about him last last episode uh bringing up how sad i am about the trade but my resolution for him is just going to be be worth it be be worth what we gave up and what you are um getting paid and how long your contract gives you be worth every second of that please that's all i got mine's actually even more simple than be worth it be better than jack johnson that's all i need well that's easy that that is all i need from mike matheson be a better player for the pittsburgh penguins than jack johnson has been the past two seasons it's it's a very simple task if, to be completely honest, Jack Johnson didn't set the bar too high. So that's all I'm asking from Mike Matheson. Be better than Jack Johnson was as a Penguin and definitely be better than Jack Johnson will be this year for the New York Rangers because if Jack Johnson outplays either Matheson or CeCe, this entire internet, and by internet I mean the entire Penn's Twitter, is going to explode. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he will be. I mean, I said it a couple times. Matheson was a better defenseman on a worse team when it came to jack johnson so we at least have that to look forward to i just be worth it you're making 4.875 which is a lot of money a modified no trade clause kicks in next year and with all that he has the ability i mean i we know he can do stuff he was a kind of an offensive guy um with florida yeah 59 games last season get 20 points 27 the season before um, he's, it seems like so far in his career, he's good for around 20 points, which isn't terrible. Yeah. He's not really a worry when it comes to the offensive side of the puck, because everybody knows that he does have that offensive ability defensively is where most of the question marks are and his decision-making. So that's one thing that Definitely we were worried about with Jack Johnson was the defensive side of the fucking decision-making. So, like I said, just be better than him, and you'll be fine. You'll go far, kid. Just be better than Jack Johnson. That's all you have to do. Let's move over to another newly acquired Penguin, and that's Kasperi Kapanen. To me, just prove that you have an elite scoring ability because it's been something that has been teased by you for a long, long time, and now just make sure that you can do it. Like, prove that you can finish what you start. And that was shown when he had a 20-goal season in Toronto, but now he's not buried behind two elite talents. You're going to get time on the first line. Show that you're a first-liner. Prove that you can finish any opportunity that Crosby gives you because you're going to get a lot. 
Yeah, I had just about the same thing. Just be what you're cracked up to be. And I also threw in maybe have a little bit more discipline than what you had, um, off-ice discipline-wise at least. I know he had a couple issues there, but nothing super serious. Um, but yeah, just kind of be what you're cracked up to be. Be what you were drafted in the first round for. Kind of play up to your expectations. A lot of what you said. Yeah, so it's pretty plain and simple for Kasperi Kapanen is just go out there and play your game and meet the expectations that have been set. They're realistic expectations, too. Nobody's Mm -hmm. asking him to go out there and be the best player in the world. Nobody's expecting him to go out there and be a Hart Trophy candidate. But go out there and meet the expectations that have been laid out for you by the organization, by the coaching staff, and and honestly, probably by Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, I mean, people get on about having a down year last year. Let's be real, he... If he had he played seventy eight games the year he got forty four points with twenty goals, he played sixty nine last year and got thirty six. Let's be real, he was probably gonna get close to forty four again. Yeah, he probably would have been fairly close. I mean, another ten games, he would have at least cracked forty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he would have been a fairly similar player. I mean, okay, yeah, he had a bit of a slump scoring wise, but. In a full season, it's not too different. I don't know. I like just looking at the numbers. I mean, I don't know the schematics of everything or the analytics of it all, but just looking at the paper numbers in front of me, I mean, those are two fairly similar seasons that aren't that different. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried about him not being able to score. I mean, yeah, 13 and 20 is a, are two different numbers, and you don't want to see a regression at least. Maybe that's kind of where people get upset. But still, I think for what it's worth, those were two similar seasons. That that's nothing to be super worried about. I mean, I mean, hey, twenty three and twenty four assists in the in the past two seasons. We know he's good for something, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm very excited to see what he looks like in training camp next week. But we'll have to wait and see what that looks like uh, either Sunday or Monday, whenever they take the ice for the first yeah. time in a formal training camp setting. Let's move on to Brian Rust, who led the Pittsburgh Penguins in goals last year with 27. He had 27 goals in 55 games. He will be playing 56 this year. My New Year's resolution for him, lead the team in goals for the second straight season and hit the 30-goal mark. Those those are my expectations for uh, New Year's resolutions. I don't know why I keep saying expectations. (laughs) These are resolutions for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The only other player besides Brian Rust to lead the team in goals in the Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin era was Chris Kunitz in 2013. So the door is definitely open for Russ to go out and do it again. And I feel like he can, and that is his resolution. Lead the team in goals for a second straight season and get to the 30-goal mark for the first time in his career. The 12-13 season was the other shortened season, right? Yes. All right, so we know it's possible. Last time last time another player did it was a shortened season. So we know that ability is there, and that's kind of going on to what i had too i said keep improving i feel like he's got another step in his game still yeah we saw him be a good standout all-star worthy player with 27 goals and 29 points but um there's definitely room to improve for him i mean he's only how old 28 about to be 29 or about to be 20 i'm gonna be 29 in may but he's 28 he's got He's hitting his prime, and I think he's got one more stage to hit, and that's going to be, like you said, a 30-goal season probably, and being up there among the leader in points for the team. 
Oh, yeah, there's no way that he doesn't finish in the top five for the Pittsburgh Penguins in points scored. Yeah. Uh, I, he'll probably finish in fourth, I would imagine, behind the three of the other guys that we have yet to mention here on these New Year's resolutions that we're going to get to. But I can honestly say that him in his prime is a 30-goal scorer. He almost had it last year with 55 games played. We'll see if he can do it this year. And now I get that he is playing with Evgeny Malkin, but, hey, he drew a good hand. So what are you going to complain about? He has a great shot, and he plays well with them. So we'll see if he can do that this season. Let's go to another top six winger in Jake Gensel. What do you have for Jake Gensel this year as a New Year's resolution? Stay healthy. We know what you can. We know what you can do um, when you're 100%. So we're not too worried about um, wanting to see improvement or wanting to see a better game because we know he has it. We know he's going to do it. Um, for this year, it's just staying healthy and keeping that shoulder intact. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. And I was going to put that for him. And then when I instituted that as the whole team, please stay healthy, I figured I'd find another one. And honestly, my biggest New Year's resolution for Jake Gensel is prove that you are an NHL All-Star. He was named to his first NHL All-Star game last year just before blowing his shoulder up against the Ottawa Senators. So go out there and prove it this year. Have an All-Star season. No, there isn't an NHL All-Star game, but you can still be named an NHL All-Star. The NFL has named Pro Bowlers, and they're not going to have the Pro Bowl. So go Aren't out they there. they like a Madden thing? I have no idea. I think I saw that. I digress. That sounds dumb. Go out there and prove that you're an NHL All-Star for Jake Gensel. Whatever that means points-wise, whatever that means any other – you know, performance-wise, becoming a superstar, prove that you are an all-star in this league because he is still, to me, one of the most underrated players in this division. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he played 39 games last year and was still fifth on the team in scoring. We know he can do it. Just yeah. a matter of staying healthy. That's all I had. Yeah, so we'll have to see what happens for Jake Gensel. It'll be nice to see him back healthy for an extended period of time because there was something a little off about him in the return-to-play format. It seemed like he was a little tentative at first, and then just couldn't get into his groove. So we'll hopefully get to see that at the start of this season. We have three guys left. Of course, we're talking about all the guys that have letters on their jerseys. Mm-hmm. Chris Letang, let's start with him. To me, he needs to shoot more on the power play. The Pens power play was inept at times last season. The Pens power play was absolutely awful at some times last season. Getting Todd Reardon back should improve the power play. That is something that a lot of people have talked about this offseason. But one of the things that I'm sure Todd Reardon is going to say at the beginning of training camp is Chris Letang from the point needs to shoot the puck more whenever we're on the power play. So that's my New Year's resolution for Letang. Get the puck on the net on the power play. Doesn't matter who's going to be playing net front presence because Horingfist is gone. Somebody else is going to need to take that mantle, whether that be Jake Gensel Jared McCann, Brian Rust, doesn't matter. Need to get a guy in front, and Chris Letang needs to be bombing it from the point on the power play. Yeah, Todd Reardon's probably going to drive that back into his head, so that's that's a good one for him. I just had don't let the wheels fall off. Don't don't regress. Show that you, even in your latter stages, are still a number one defenseman. I mean, we've talked about it at length, and we're going to continue to talk about it at length until it's over. Um, just don't let the wheels fall off and you should be fine. He's uh, still an all-star caliber defenseman. We know he can be. And I guess also kind of like Matheson, make it worth it, but don't let your wheels fall off. Keep keep strong. Another guy that should that you should try and stay healthy and just hope for the best. Be the top-line defenseman that we know that you are. 
The last two were pretty simple, at least for me, the, the last two were pretty simple. Let's start with Evgeny Malkin, the associate captain for the Pittsburgh Penguins. To me, his New Year's resolution, reach 700 career assists. He needs 40, so get 40 Ooh. assists this season. That is his New Year's resolution for me. Get to that magical number 700 on the assist column. That's fair. It's a good one. That's a specific one. I just kind of had just keep doing what you're doing. Stay the course, as I had for a couple guys just... We know you're talented. We know you're one of the best. And don't change a thing for now. Nothing needs to change yet. And I like yours, though. I didn't realize he was that close. I know he's two points away, I think, two or three from passing Yager and um, all-time Penguins points. So Hopefully he gets to that on the first night. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. That would be great. But uh, let's finish it off with Sidney Crosby. Horrell, what is your final hockey New Year's resolution for Sir Sidney? I'm recycling here. Stay healthy, please. This 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 is a this is one for Crosby every friggin' year. Stay healthy. You're the friggin' best in the league. You're the best in the world, and it would be nice to see a full season. I mean, shit, you haven't done something like that. Oh, we did it a couple years ago, but let's be real. He kind of hasn't noticeably done it since his rookie year, really. So I guess the best way to put it is, you want Sidney Crosby to win the Iron Penguin Award for the 2020-21 season. Yeah, actually, and as I look back at his numbers, he has played 80 games, a few, at least 80 games a couple times in his career. We just never really realize it because it's always hampered by a lockout or the concussion or the high ankle sprain. So that being said, yeah, just maybe get a 56-game season and Sid. Do it. Play all. Play every game. He's done it before. Do it again. Done it before recently. 17-18, he played all 82. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he can. It'd be nice to see him for a full season. And then after that, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple as well. Win the Art Ross and the Hart Trophy. Be the guy. Be the, the guy we that we've been missing. This might be his, his last chance. Best chance right now to get a late career Art Ross and Hart Trophy. Shortened season. He doesn't have to play 82 games. He gets to play 56. He's had more time off this past year than he's had probably si since he joined the league, at least whenever he wasn't not being injured, yeah. especially. He's had about four games in the last 10 months. He's had time to recover. He should be going in at 100%. It's a shortened season. Go out, win the Art Ross. And, I mean, nine times out of 10, if you win the Art Ross trophy – you're put in contention automatically as a finalist for the Hart Trophy because that's just how it happens. But that's my New Year's resolution for Sidney Crosby. Go do it one last time. This is the best chance he's going to have in the rest of his career. Go out, win the Art Ross, win the Hart Trophy. That would be something that would just encapsulate his entire career and then worry about the Stanley Cup after that. Yeah, I think Dreisaitl led the league in points last year, right? Yes. Yeah, at least the past two seasons, I'm not going to go any further than that, the Hart and the Art Ross have been won by the same person. Yeah, so. that's, uh, I mean, happens, I guess, especially when the last two seasons, the person that's won the Art Ross kind of ran away with it both years. Okay, so. and then the year before, that's Taylor Hall, who only won the Hart and not the Art Ross. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're definitely in, the con in contention for it whenever you win it immediately. You're already in the top three, it seems, because... Um, NHL voting doesn't know how to expand their horizons. 
They just, especially when it comes to things like the Hart or the Norris, they just look at three guys and only three guys, and then that's it. That being said, I like that idea. I like that. I like that forum. It's one of those late career ones. Prove that you still have it. Prove that you still are the greatest of all time. And um, put McDavid in his place for a season. Why the hell not? I like that. <laughs> Well, we still have a lot to go here on a very content-heavy episode of the Tip of the Iceberg, our New Year's edition. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk really quickly about the Wheeling Nailers and then check in on the World Juniors. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're continuing here with our final episode of 2020, heading into 2021 on a steamroller of excitement and news for the 2020-21 NHL season. But before we do that, we have to send out happy retirement thoughts to former Pittsburgh Penguin Mark Letestu, who retired earlier this week. Mark played in parts of three seasons in Pittsburgh, scoring 15 goals and 29 points in 85 games played. Overall in his career, he finished with 11 seasons, 93 goals, 210 points in over 550 games played. He only played seven games with the Jets last season and only two the year prior with Columbus. So it seemed as if he was kind of heading on the downward trend and he'd left on his own kind of his own platform in the way that he wanted to right here so congratulations to Mark Letestu on a great career it takes a very very good player to go out and play over 500 games in the NHL so congratulations to him on a great career 11 seasons and happy retirement to Mr. Letestu do you have any any memories of Mark Letestu when he was with Pittsburgh in the early 2010s nope not much I just remember the name he wore number 10 correct with the Penguins he did yes all right I remember that much yeah, I mean, not much to him. I mean, it's good that he was able to retire on his own terms. Yeah, playing 500 games in the NHL is no small feat. That's a big thing. So, um, yeah, he had a good little career, and, um, yeah, fun fun little penguin to watch sometimes. Yeah, so congratulations one more time to him on his retirement from the NHL. I'm sure he'll be sitting back and having a couple beers and relaxing while the season gets underway here in a couple weeks. But let's continue to move it and talk a little bit about the minor leagues. We have our minor league minute segment here with the Wheeling Nailers now at zero 
three and two on the season. They are one of only two teams left to have not won a game in the ECHL, that other team being the Kansas City Mavericks. Last weekend, the Nailers were 0-1-1, losing 2-1 in overtime on Saturday at Indy. That one was a little bit of a heartbreaker because they gave up a shorthanded game-winning goal in overtime, so not a good Damn. look for the Wheeling Nailers there. And then they preceded that with a 4-3 loss on Sunday at home. This upcoming weekend, they're going to try to get that first win against the Indy Fuel again with a home-and-home home starting tonight on Thursday and then finishing it on Saturday. So, Horwath, the Nailers are struggling. Let's hope it's not a sign to come for the Pittsburgh Penguins as their minor league affiliate in the ECHL has yet to win a game. Eh, well, you know, I don't think the Nailers, I think I said this last week, the Nailers haven't been good for a couple seasons, but uh, it's the ECHL. Things are weird. Things are very strange. Uh, things can turn around quickly. All I know is that uh, the Blades are 5-1. and one. The Everblades are 5-1, and one, so he got that. Um, the E's been most of the hockey on right now, I guess. I mean, there's the World Juniors, which we'll discuss, and I will discuss a little further after the discussion because I really haven't paid any attention to it. Um, <laughs> I always just forget it's on, and then I see Canada blows a team out, and I go, oh, of, of course they did. They're Canada. What did you expect? And then someone gets hurt, and I'm like, what did you expect? Yeah, but Kirby Doc got hurt before the tournament even started. Oh, I'll get into it. We'll okay, get into it. okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll leave it. Let it be where it is. Yep. So we're, we're since we're all in the World Junior talk as of right now. Let an update on the United States. They're they're two and one after a really bad first start against the Russian team, losing five to three. They fell behind early in that game and almost came back, but uh, the Russian goaltender decided to not allow that, and that's Yaroslav Askarov, who is the Predators first round pick of this year so he had a good game against the united states team and helped with the upset there but since then the united states has outscored their opponents 18 to nothing including 11 to nothing just steamrolling of the austrian team as well as a 7 to nothing win over the czech republic earlier this week as it stands right now they're in tied for second place with russia in pool b so here's the cur current standings of course in group a canada 3-0 has nine points they're leading it Finland, 2-0 as of this moment. They play later today, the day we're recording on Wednesday. They have six points. Slovakia is in third. Germany is in fourth. And Switzerland doesn't look like they're going to be moving on to the tournament round. And then meanwhile in Group B, Sweden and the United States are going to have a matchup coming up on New Year's Eve that could decide who wins and comes in first place in Group B. And then, of course, Russia is also there at 2-1 at this moment. The Czech Republic at one and two have some points. And then there's Team Austria, who just has not had a good tournament overall, is 0-3, zero points. And it's hard to see them going out and winning their fourth game. Yeah, that's the team that got demolished. Uh, who's even on that team? Is there anyone notable? Any draft picks or anything? On Austria, I believe there is one. Yeah, Marco Rossi from Minnesota. That's what I thought. Wow, that's, that sucks. Um, yeah, I haven't watched... I've watched a grand total of maybe a couple of highlights from from the World Juniors. I always forget it's on. I'm always doing other things, and then um, then I realize it's not like there's any Penguins prospects there, so I don't really have a foot in the game. Callie Klang, and I know Callie Klang's the third string. I know Blomquist is on the team. I just don't know where he's playing. Third, third string. string. All right, well, yeah, I have no, I have no skin in the game. The World Juniors can play on as they do. 
Yeah, well, uh, upcoming on New Year's Eve, we have Canada playing Finland, who are the top two teams in Pool A. And then we have the United States and Sweden vying for the top teams in Group B. And then you can really get into it because the actual tournament starts, Horwat, on Saturday with the quarterfinals. So there's an easy way to get into it. Yeah, maybe I'll watch some of that. We'll see. We still have a little bit left here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We're going to have our shout-outs and call-outs segment before we say goodbye for the last time in 2020. We'll be right back. I'm Corey Francois. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What? did i just listen to oh this game this game is this game is just bullshit now oh my gosh i actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable what was it panty what the game has gone to bullshit panty melted why do we record these during the middle of games oh god be sure to listen to Corey and i every monday we are your go-to source for the arizona coyotes on the hockey podcast network welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast the final episode of 2020. Horwatt's trying to figure out his Wi-Fi. We'll see if it's actually working here in a second. But we're going to finish it off with our shout-outs and call-out segment. We'll start it with shout-outs. Horwat, I'll let you lead it off if you can hear me. I can hear you just fine as long as you can hear me. Um, yeah, I'm shouting out uh, Budweiser and Lionel Messi because Budweiser did the greatest thing I think I've ever seen. They Lionel Messi reached 644 career goals, which is not an easy thing to do in soccer when every game is one to nothing. But Lionel Messi, one of the greatest in the world, scored his 644th goal, and Budweiser decided to send out 644 specialty bottles of Budweiser to the 166 goalies that he scored on. Yikes. And that is the coolest thing I think I've ever heard of. It's... First of all, I'm impressed that it's 166 goalies. That's a lot. Someone had to track all these goalies down, get their information, to send them these little specialized bottles of Budweiser. And on them is the goal number that he was. It's, I just, I mean, I want to know which goalie got the most. First of all, I think that'd be hysterical. Like, which goalie got number one, which got 644. They came in, like, these little cases if you don't know it, look it up. It's really funny and interesting. Um, and I was listening to Jesse Marshall's Dying Alive podcast, and they someone asked them, "What are the odds, Bud? Or what would be fun if Budweiser did this for Ovechkin if he was to break the record?" And they started flipping through some old goalies. I mean, he said that Fleury would be getting the most, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then from down on, like, all the guys that were, that got one, Olaf Kolzig had a goal scored on him, which was fun and interesting. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, guys like Kerry Lettinen were down there. Danny Sabarin had two, I think. It would be fun to go through and have that sort of, like, feature. I thought this was just an interesting little thing that Budweiser did, and um, some of the pictures that goalies have sent in is also really funny. Yeah, it, it's fun when people have a lot of fun with that because it, all it is is a massive troll job on the part of Budweiser. So good on the goalies that had fun with it. And for the yeah. ones that got mad about it, which I'm not sure there are any. I doubt it. I'm sure somebody got a little upset about it, but it maybe a little bit that they're kind of wiping it in their face. But either way, if you got mad about it, oh, well, stop being a stick in the mud. I found the list. It's okay. 160 goalkeepers. It's 644 goals. Diego Alves had 21. That was the most. 
that's not too too well in soccer it's soccer so it's it depends but yeah if anyone for anyone who knows soccer goalies I'm, i don't know a lot of these names uh back whenever i was a little more into soccer and one of my best friends played for the soccer team we would always have the discussion of who was better messi or ronaldo all i can say is we're not seeing budweiser do this for uh cr7 and that's a very fair point. I mean, I'm also not sure where Cristiano Ronaldo is in his career goals po- percentage in places like that. So I don't know how any of it works. This is all weird. I don't even know if this is like 644 career, like Spanish League, World Cup. Yeah, that, it's also weird because they can where play in so many different places. Yeah, like, I don't know where these goals are coming from, but I just thought it was funny that he hit a, a big number. I Obviously, a huge number for soccer if they're doing something like this. Uh yeah, all you go on ahead now. I'm done with my point. My shout out goes to Penguins owner Ron Burkle, and not for what a lot of people are probably thinking. It has nothing to do with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He purchased Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch this past week. Reportedly, he paid $22 million for the ranch, which was at a very good bargain. And that's according to the Wall Street Journal. Initially, the ranch was put up for sale for $100 million in 2014. And then, of course, the as nobody was buying it, the price went down lower, lower, and lower. And now with COVID, it went way lower. And Ron Burkle was able to purchase it for $22 million. It is a includes a 12,000-square-foot main house. It once contained 22 structures, including a zoo. And it's also a 2,700-acre property. So the property is bigger alone than what most people have in their housing developments or wherever they live, their neighborhoods. And yet here has Penguins owner Ron Burkle as NHL teams are saying, well, we don't have the money. We're kind of in a crunch. Ron Burkle's out here throwing 22 large ones for Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch. So first of all, I applaud him for being able to buy a house like that at only 22 million. Uh, B, the timing could not have been worse because of the fact that the team did take out $5 million from funding, and that's it, it wasn't a good look. No. If you would have told me Ron Burkle bought this house years ago, no one's thinking twice about it because it's millionaires buying millionaire houses. That's just what happens. I'm not going to shout him out for this. I'm kind of not even going to agree with you too much on this because of the timing and how bad of a look it is considering the loan that was taken out. That being said, let's ignore the loan for a moment. That's funny that he did that, that he was able to do that. $22 million for the Neverland Ranch? Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's a very low number. And yes, $22 million is not a very low number when it comes to normal people like me and you. But right. for a place like that, you would think, first of all, $100 million was kind of low. It, it kind of feels like, because that's not just a house. That is an entire property that is massive. And made up of way more than just the house. And then, of course, the history that goes behind it. I can only imagine how much Elvis Presley's Graceland would go for if it was on sale. So you really have to just... It was funny whenever I saw that. Of all people to go out there and just yeah. buy that house. Ron Burkle's just... Yeah, I'll throw a quick $22 million on it. And yes, it was bad timing with yep. the federal loan coming in for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But at the same time, not 100% of the Penguins is owned by Ron Burkle. It is not his full responsibility to pay and bankrupt himself for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's how business works. Now, 
trust me, it does not look good public relations wise, but I understand where it's at, where if it's his personal money versus his business and one of his businesses, cause he owns multiple mm-hmm. major multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah. It's, it, it's just not good from a PR standpoint because people, uh, because people see the team taking money out and then immediately harp on, well, their owners are worth this much and this much. Well, that doesn't mean they have to put their hard-earned money back into it. Lemieux makes more sense because that, that kind of is his hard-earned money to the team. Yeah. But Burkle, he doesn't have to do that. And he's the he's kind of the money bags of the two, let's be honest. Lemieux, yeah, has his money and has his share of cash. Ron Burkle was a millionaire, probably billionaire, before he met Lemieux. He didn't need to do this. Yeah. But... So, I mean, it's his hard-earned money. If he wants to spend it how he does, he can. As for the loan, ugh, if this would if that would have come in uh, next month, we're probably not, it's probably not as bad as it looks. It came in the same week. At least the news story came in the same week. Yeah, it's a little brutal. Um, but not a good look, public relations-wise. Otherwise, I mean... I'm, I bet more teams hop onto that train of buying of taking out loans. Let's be real. We just happen to be the first. I mean, they might not now because of how bad of a how bad press it got. But let's be honest. Let's. I'm sure there were some hockey teams out there that were eyeing it up. At least I don't know. It's hard to say. We shouldn't discuss it too much further because it might turn out to be a bad, a worse look than it really is. All I know is, um, yeah, they don't. Just because a team or people are worth as much as it's listed does not mean they currently have that in the bank. Ron Burkle obviously did, but hey, that's neither here nor there. My only request to Ron Burkle is if he's going to go through with this purchase, which he has, and he's not mm-hmm. going to be listing this, but if you're going through this purchase and the Penguins win the Stanley Cup, cut party at Michael Jackson's house. That's that's how this story needs to end. It really does, though, yeah. But let's get into our call-outs, Horwat. I'll, I'll lead off, and then you can close out 2020 with your call out. My call out goes to the movie drinking buddies. Worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And I've watched a movie with a killer tire called rubber. Yet this one was much, much worse than the movie rubber, which was literally a killer tire that would go around exploding people's heads. This movie, absolutely a hundred percent worse. I don't know if it was because I was let down because it was such a good cast. I mean, Jake Johnson from New Girl, yes. Olivia Wilde, Anna Kendrick. They completely wasted Jason Sudeikis. He was in literally two scenes and had no purpose whatsoever in the entire thing. It didn't make a joke, didn't do anything. They did not use music throughout most of the movie, which was very strange and awkward. It was just bad. It was the first and only movie that I've ever rated a 1 out of 10. It is the lowest rated movie on my IMDb Radom page. I can't oh. physically rate it a zero, but I would. I was so upset at this because I thought it was going to be a good movie, and I sat there for an hour and a half and absolutely was disappointed every last moment. The only time I laughed during the movie is whenever I made a joke about what was going on, and it was actually a serious moment in the movie. So it was just a bad movie whatsoever. All together, it gets my call out. If you're thinking of watching it, I'm going to say don't. Unless you're doing it ironically, and even then, it's probably a waste of 90 minutes of your time. So, it sucks to say that because I like Jake Johnson, I like Olivia Wilde, I like Anna Kendrick, I like Jason Sudeikis. I think they're all great actors, but this movie was horrid. And that happens in some actors' careers, but 
worst movie I've ever seen, and that is not being sarcastic at all. That was literally the worst movie I have seen in my 24 years of existence. Were there any more big names in that movie? None that I can think of, no. Okay. There, there weren't, really. Because I was starting to think, like, maybe it was just one of those big, let's get all of the stars into a shit movie like Valentine's Day or the other one that was like that. Because those are interesting, at least. Like, there's a point to it. Like, it's not supposed to be a good movie. We just got all these stars to make a little bit of dough. That's all we did. We, we wrote a shit movie, but damn it, we had all of, like, we had all of the major stars, like Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Hey. Uh, you know what I'm getting at. Are, all these big are, Wait, are you attacking the Ocean's Eleven movies? No, I just was just trying to think of the biggest I, names I could. That, that sounded like it a personal attack against the Ocean's Eleven movies, and those movies are great. Those were the ones that did it right. The rest of these movies have not. I agree. Right, but you get what I'm getting at. It's like where all these huge names, like, like how did you get Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo, or not Leonardo, fucking. Leonardo Di- DiCaprio, Leonardo Da Vinci. How did you uh, get them in the same room? I was trying to think of Robert De Niro. <laughs> that was like, not even close, buddy. No, but like, <laughs> it's like, it's one of those movies where you see, how'd you get all these names for this shit movie? Oh, it's just a cash grab and that was the point? Cool, that makes sense. But if, if that wasn't the point here, uh, all right, yeah, sh- fuck that movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was an awful movie. I was so I was very disappointed. I was excited to watch it too, and then it just let me down. It's fair. Every actor's got a clunker. Yep. We moving on because yeah. Can't... What is your call out? Uh, my call out is to the people that bitch and moan about uh, their players not playing in the World Juniors, uh, because we see what happens, right? There's a reason why uh, Lefrenier was told by the Rangers, "Hey, no, you're not doing that. You're not going to play more games where you could get hurt and miss a whole season." I.e. Kirby Doc i.e. almost lucas raymond lucky they're lucky he's okay we see it every year at least one or two guys um gets hurt in these sort of competitions and it sucks i mean yeah they're fun competitions don't get me wrong like world cup of hockey was a ton of fun uh, but matt murray got hurt in it and that kind of hurt the opening to the penguin season that year and this happens every we see all these star players go and then someone gets hurt and we wonder why we have them in the first place or why these stars are going. There's a reason why the Rangers told Lafreniere he can't go, um, because this could happen. He could miss his entire rookie season, or hell, his career. Like who knows what could really happen here. So any, I, I'm not saying that these players shouldn't go. I'm saying we shouldn't cry about it whenever the team who owns the players' rights are saying no, you can't go because we don't want to risk you getting hurt. Yeah, and it's the thing of if the team asks them to do that they're going to not come back in it. If they ask them to not go, they're not going to go like Alexi Lafreniere, but they give them the option. These guys care a lot about world juniors. It's some to some of these players. It is the biggest thing for them. It is literally the highest level they're going to get to. So it means a lot for them, but I, I get what you're saying for the guys that are drafted to an NHL team or in an NHL, you know, AHL system, then yeah, it, it doesn't make as much sense, but it matters to these guys and they're going to do what they want to do if their team allows them to do it. Yeah. And that's, and that makes total sense. You just got to be careful out there. Like if the team doesn't want you doing it or you think that you should skip it because let's say you've done it already. Like, let's say it's your second time going or whatever. Um, maybe if it's your second time, you just call it and be like, you know what? I'm on an NHL team now. Let's like, let's be real. That's kind of the long-term goal here. Not just winning a world juniors and then calling it a career. No, you have an NHL contract. And let's again, these teams can allow it or not allow it. If the team says, no, you're not going, you just got to accept that. 
Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode and this final episode of 2020. It is the ending of really the first year calendar-wise. First calendar year, I guess, is the best way to say it, of the tip of the iceberg. We had an episode every single week of 2020. We had two episodes during most of the weeks of 2020. So we thank everybody that tuned in this year and hope everybody will continue to tune in as the calendar flips to 2021. We are less than two weeks away from puck drop. We hope it is a much better year for everybody in the world. We hope it is a much better year for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we hope it is a much better year for basically everything. That is going to be it for this episode. We will see you guys next week. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.